Welcome back to Work, Love, Pray, Real Talk, Grounded in Truth. I'm Jordan Johnstone. A word I feel like we've all been hearing almost as much as pandemic is the word change. And it's probably because we've all been dealing with change in some way since early 2020. Our workplaces have changed. Our social lives have changed. Our nation has changed. I mean, let's be honest, the entire world has changed. Life as we know it has shifted and there is likely no going back to what was normal. Now, that doesn't have to be a negative thing. Change can and is often good. It just depends on how you respond to it. Resisting change or pretending like it's not standing directly in front of you uh, is not the way to go. (laughs) The best way to get through a change is to acknowledge it. Once you acknowledge that change is inevitable, it's a part of life, you can begin to step forward into your new normal, but you have to make sure to take full advantage of your change. And what do I mean by that? Well, the best kind of change is one that heals a problem that has run rampant for years. And my guest today is on a mission to bring change to a huge issue that most forward women have come up against at some point in their careers. I am joined by Jose, CEO of Genderfair, a platform that uses data analytics to determine an organization's progress toward gender equality and diversity. Jose is incredibly passionate about creating pressure for companies to do better and become more well rounded and inclusive organizations. So Jose, thank you for being here today to talk about gender fair and the change that you guys are working on to bring to the workplace. Well, thank you for having me, Jordan. I I remember a quote from years ago, uh, because you started off this session about change. And Mm. it was the only people who like change are babies in dirty diapers. (laughs) (laughs) That's very true. (laughs) And everybody, whether it's a good change or not a good change, there's always resistance or uncomfortable, you know, transitions. So Mm. um, I love that you started that off. Yeah. With change. Oh, (laughs) well, before we dive in, I would love to have you share about yourself just a little bit. You are originally from the Netherlands and now you're CEO of an American company. So I would love to hear how you've made that journey. So uh, briefly, so I was born in the Netherlands, as you said, um, mm-hmm. lived there for the first decade of my life. And my parents um, took us on a vacation in Canada. And <laughs> after that, they were like, we have to move here. This no. is the most beautiful country. <laughs> and just like that, a year later, you know, we had a, um, a family that sponsored us and wow. we moved to Western Canada. And uh, so I spent my teenage years there and uh, was educated there, my, my junior in high school and um, and then, you know, as soon as I graduated, I went cross country to mm. Ontario, I went to university there and spent eight years um, going through undergrad. I did a bit of work there. I went to graduate school. And uh, after getting my business degree, I was trying to figure out what uh, what to do with myself. Mm. And in the summer, I um, I spent, um, you know, a week going to New York city with a friend and absolutely like my parents had fallen in love with Canada. I fell in love with New York city. I said, <laughs> I have to go here. Aww. And, uh, you know, I started working for Price Waterhouse and, um, you know, in the strategy business. And, um, but as soon as I arrived here, I thought, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to settle in New York city, at least for the coming years. Um, and make a career out of it and maybe come go back or go somewhere else. But as soon as I got there, they're like, you know, you have great skills. Why don't we send you to China? for? <laughs> wow. <laughs> no one else wanted to go. Yeah. So um, 
But I did spend uh, almost two years in Asia, in, in Indonesia and China, and uh, and it was great. I mean, my my career, you know, as a strategy consultant, um, you know, took me to many different countries and and got a, a look at many uh, unique uh, companies in different sectors. Uh, you know, certainly in um, in the financial services sector, but also in airlines and and. Uh, even cement company in, in Indonesia to telecom to, you know, it just, it was great to, um, you know, to, to go in and, and work with a team, get to know the company, the culture, the people, but always uh, having an out, you know, mm-hmm. at the end yeah. of the project. Uh, and, you know, and then um, after eight years of climbing the corporate ladder, I was recruited out by an executive search company to work for JP Morgan. Mm. And uh, and the role was really interesting because of my background in strategy. They said that they have uh, the leaders at the time just had great strategies, but they couldn't execute on them. Mm. So they needed someone to come in and alongside the leaders, take a look at the strategy and, you know, kind of, you know, find and, and work with them to create implementation plans and, you know, take the teams through that. So that was a very rewarding transition. Plus, I was, you know, at the time, after eight years, kind of tired of traveling. I wanted mm. to live in New York City, you know, which yeah. I really didn't have the chance to do because if I was on the road so much. Yeah. Um, and um, and spent about six years at J.P. Morgan. And uh, and then, you know, I I, I got married, at the, you know, in, and I had a baby during that time. I was kind of thinking what would be my next step. I was, you know, there was another merger coming and I thought, you know, I'm t- kind of getting a little tired and, yeah. um, you know, as many do, burnt out, especially when you, you know, have your full-time job, then a full-time merger job and then yeah. a full-time home job. Yeah. And my husband's an entrepreneur and I thought to myself, well, how, you know, if he can be an entrepreneur, why can't I be an entrepreneur? Right. You know, right. he doesn't have a graduate degree. He's got an yeah. undergrad. So then you realize how hard it is to uh, to build a you know a company around an idea. So I tried a few things uh, with mixed results, and then um, I had an opportunity to work with Oprah to mm. build a, a, a philanthropic platform called Give Back, and that was mm. fun. So that was really a way to build something with a team and of course a big marketing machine behind yeah. you, you know, so <laughs> how better than Oprah that, yeah. that, that there's no way that can fail. And it doesn't no. matter what you do, you know, that's right. not going to fail. <laughs> and, uh, so that was fun for five years. And, and then, you know, it kind of one thing led after another and, and, uh, through, you know, attending conferences and, and we sold the gift back and then, um, you know, came across gender fair. And I could talk about that now or later, but it just kind of uh, met the founder. And I thought, well, this is going to really help women. You know, yeah. this is a great, great uh, platform. Yeah. No, yeah. So I'll, I will have you talk about Gender Fair yeah. in a second. But um, what I would like to have you talk about. So Gender Fair is all about recognizing and fighting for gender equality. So I would love to hear what has been your personal experience with gender equality and inclusion at all of those companies that you've worked for. Well, you know, I, uh, I've had good and bad experiences. Mm-hmm. So when I started my career, I, you know, I never thought about gender. Mm-hmm. I just put my head down. I worked, you know, as hard as I could. And, um, 
you know, and, and I climbed up the corporate ladder with everyone else. And I, you know, I climbed a little bit faster than some, um, you know, because I just, I just put all my energy into it, all my, you know, and I just thought hard work is really going to get me to you know, the top of this organization hmm. and, um, and nothing else. And I was grateful for, the, you know, every promotion, a little bit of pay increase. But when I told you that the executive search firm came calling with JP Morgan and they gave me an offer that was three times the pay. Wow. And I thought to myself, wow, like I never thought about, um, you know, testing the marketplace from the value I've, I've you know, created in myself and my yeah. skills over those eight years. And I said, I gave it to my boss. I said, you know what? There's so many, you know, it's a great job. I get to stay in New York. It's amazing pay. And he's like, oh, well, you know, we can match that pay. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. I'm like, oh, well. That's a little too late, right? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I, I, and part of it is on me for not, you know, I, I yeah. demanding it, you know. Right. Um, like some of my colleagues, I'm sure they did. But, you know, it's, it's uh, you know, but the other side, I'm like, wow, you know, if you really want to keep your people, you have yeah. to really, you know, make sure you take care of them. And, yeah. you know, in many ways they did. But, you know, that was just an instance. And then when I went to J.P. Morgan and I had my first child, mm-hmm. um, you know, a very supportive teamwork. But um, what happened, what I saw is that I didn't get those plum projects anymore mm. because, you know, it was an overseas project or, you know, it, it would require a lot of travel. Right. You know, it was a global project and required travel. Or, and they were trying to accommodate me, mm. which, you know, at the time I thought, well, that's that's nice. But, you know, maybe yeah. I'm not getting the visibility I need to really take mm you know, continue to, to, um, accelerate in my career. So there, yeah. you know, there's little things like that, that, you know, I thought maybe gender has something, you know, to do with it. The other yeah. thing that I found is that they did have great maternity leave. You know, mm-hmm. I was at a, and a senior leader level. And, um, so I was, you know, I was, I was well compensated for my maternity leave, but when my executive assistant had a baby, Mm-hmm. She got like two weeks versus mm-hmm. my six months. And I was oh, like, yeah. wow, there's something not right here, right? Yeah. I, I know they fixed it now, but this was, you know, many years ago. But I thought yeah. this should never be, especially, you know, at that level where oh, yeah. you don't have the compensation to have a lot of uh, support, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of caregiving support that you would have, yeah. you know, when your income is higher and you're in a, you know, more senior level. Yeah. So, you know, those kind of things I thought, you know, there's definitely opportunity to improve, you know, uh, you know, the workplace for, for women. Yeah. Well, and you know, when we talked earlier, you, you briefly touched on this. I'd like to have you share a little bit more about it now, but you know, gender equality in the workplace, is that a global issue? Um, you know, and how does the U S rank against other countries? Well, it depends what you're, what you're measuring, right? right? So most people look at the uh, World Economic Forum uh, global mm-hmm. measurement, right? Mm-hmm. Global index, and the U.S. is went down from 51 to 53 mm. uh, in the you know in the in the world when it comes to gender equality. Now, what they measure are things like um, you know political empowerment, economic. Uh, participation and opportunities. They measure health and wellness, and they measure, um, you know, uh, educational attainment. 
Hmm. So given all that, uh, the U.S. ranks, you know, number 53, which is not hmm. great, right? Yeah. I mean, right. Nicaragua is ranked fifth. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. And of course, we expect the Nordic <clears throat> countries in Europe to right. rank much higher. And, you know, and I think, um, you know, especially in the political um you know, a representation, that's where mm-hmm. it really, you know, kind of hurts uh, the U.S. They're much better around educational attainment and, mm-hmm. um, you know, economic participation a little bit better. But, um, you know, there's certainly the pay gap, which is an issue here. Yeah. And of course, in the U.S., there's no paid family leave policies right. that you get right. in Canada and, you know, and, and much of the world. Uh, actually, most of the world right. um, that we don't have here. So there's, you know, and still an issue with access to capital for investment um, mm-hmm. of women-owned businesses. So there's, a, you know, there's a lot of room for improvement here in the yeah. U.S. Yeah. Okay. Well, so now let's talk about gender fair. <laughs> I I would love to hear, like, what what was that initial spark for you that like really got you excited about gender fair? So, um, so I'll tell you a little bit of how it started because so many of these, um, like the fortune 500 companies, publicly traded companies, they would sign up and pledge, you know, they, they're really good Mm -hmm. at pledging or making commitments. You know, there's a goal, there's a pledge. I mean, there's a pledge coming out all the time. Right. Right. And I thought, you know, who's keeping these companies accountable, right? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Like just because they're pledging doesn't mean they're actually going to follow through with it. Right. And if no one is measuring progress and, and, and keeping them accountable. So the founder of, of Gender Fair, you know, took all those, you know, the, the guiding principles, which is the UN Women's Empowerment Principles, the WEPs, we call them. And they are just guiding principles mm-hmm. um, and created a measurement system around that. And then once the metrics were in place, uh, assess the companies that mm. had signed up to see if they're even progressing along these, you know, metrics. And only about, you know, 10% were on track. Mm. So, um, so when I met the founder, I thought, wow, you could actually, you know, here is a is a great way for people like myself, or, you know, especially consumers, because no one was looking at consumers to say, how can consumers who spend over... Tr- Five trillion dollars a year participate in driving change for these mm. companies because right now the World Economic Forum says it's going to take 257 years to close the gender equality gap, and well, that's that's longer than any of our lifetimes, right? And so, yeah. how could you accelerate that um, and and have the power of of you know the the women's economic power to be able to drive that? Hmm. And uh, so I thought, well, this is a great way to one, you know, to share uh, and educate consumers in terms of, you know, what brands are progressing, and which ones are not, so that they can, you know, to switch from one toothpaste over another, yeah. you know, it's not like you have to give up your, you know, your Jaguar for a Ford, but <laughs> it's this daily, you know, daily purchases. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, and then at the same time, incentivize those brands that are weaker in this area to do better. Right. Mm-hmm. And create yeah. this business to business peer pressure because we we rate companies on a hundred point scale. Yeah. And uh, and they can continue to fight for the top. Right. Yeah. Well, and, and I love that you mentioned, you know, why consumer it's so important for consumers to know. Um, mm-hmm. How do you guys 
uh, communicate that to consumers? Like, is there a place that consumers can go to find out like how gender inclusive maybe like their favorite company is? Yeah. So we've made it simple. Um, it's an app, uh, which we're very excited about. So, (laughs) so when, when I, when I first joined gender fair, there was an app out there, which wasn't communicated to consumers, but Mm. it just ranked, ranked companies. Not, and as a consumer, I don't, I don't buy from P&G or J&J or Unilever. So I don't buy, mm-hmm. you know, and we, you know, Jennifer rates companies, right? right? But consumers, they buy from brands. And so I don't know if Dove is Unilever or J&J or Avino. Yeah. So we, we buy brands. So I thought, well, if you're going to make this useful for consumers, you have to uh, not just rate companies, you have to map all the brands to those companies and make it simple for consumers to um, to get this information. So through an app, you can scan a logo, any logo of the, you know, more than 700 companies, which represent about 2,500 brands. And we continue to add brands, um, you know, um, regularly to scan a logo and they'll give you the score. Hmm out of a hundred point scale and the gender fair standard is 70 and anything above 70 is gender fair, but anything below, if you scan a product, like I love my hint water, but, uh, yeah. it's a, it's a private company. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we've right now we have publicly traded companies because we, we get that data in the marketplace. And if you scan a product and it's below 70, that it'll recommend a product in the same category. That's gender fair. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you're making it really simple for for consumers to know and to um, you know to change their their buying behavior, and our metrics really measure um, five major categories. We look at leadership uh, at the board level and leadership in the executive level, uh, women managers, gender balance in the management team. Uh, we look at you know any kind of leadership opportunities and development. Then we uh, like mentoring and sponsorship. So that's mm-hmm. one category is leadership. The next category is employee policies. And now with the pandemic, obviously this has become much more important to yeah. companies support, you know, uh, you know, especially family friendly policies. Mm-hmm. But, you know, uh, do they have they done a pay equity assessment? Uh, what's their sexual harassment resolution? Um, mm. You know, policies like maternity, paternity leave. And then we look at um, advertising. And this is really important too, especially for those brands. Like, do yeah. they reinforce stereotypes or do they mm-hmm. objectify women and girls in the advertising? Uh, it's gotten a lot better over the years. Um, yeah. You know, I was talking to General Motors and I, I remember saying, like, it's so nice to see women actually inside a car rather than <laughs> on top of a car. Yeah. <laughs> when they're selling a car, right? Right. So they got a chuckle out of that. And then we look at if a company, um, uh, does diversity reporting both in mm. the supply chain for women-owned businesses and also in the employee diversity reporting? Because we, mm. what we're really trying to get companies to do is be much more transparent, and we will give credit to a company that reports on diversity, even if they're not diverse. Right? We just right. want companies to to be, you know, transparent. And the last area is really philanthropy. Are they investing in the community? of women and girls, whether it's STEM education or things like that. So, um, so those are the, you know, the five main areas that we look at and we can get that data in the marketplace, uh, because through SEC reports and, and websites and CSR and, 
Mm-hmm. And then uh, now we've got we're we're gonna uh, launch a new tool for private companies so they can do their own self assessment and see awesome. where they're at and get uh, the resources and and uh, recommendations to become gender fair as well. Awesome. Now, are companies reacting? positively to gender fair? I mean, are you, are you finding that it's making strides in the right direction? Well, I think they are, you know, it depends if they're gender fair or not, right, you yeah. know, <laughs> like, you know, Walmart, uh, Walmart, uh, you know, shared this recently on LinkedIn because they're, you know, they're, gen- they're the top gender fair company in the retail space. And it's mm. taken many years to get there, but I think it's the current CEO has done so much uh, great work and it's mm-hmm. his real, like that's his legacy. It's not okay. being the CEO of Walmart. It is, you know, diversity and inclusion. Awesome. So, um, so I think they're very keen, of course. Um, but there's, you know, there's some company that that will challenge that. And, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes they say, well, we have great maternity and paternity leave. Well, if you don't publish it, then you don't get credit for it. Right. And the reason we ask them to do that is because as a new employee, especially, you know, when I was joining JP Morgan before I had children, I want to know their policies. I don't want to ask that in an interview. I don't want to find out after I'm hired, right? Right, right. I want to know. So that's, you know, part of what we're trying to do and pressure, like you said, the beginning is that pressure companies to do better. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and so you mentioned this a little bit, but you have a assessment now, um, and I'm assuming anyone can use it, you know, not just a private company, but maybe you're interested about like the company that you're working at. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, so anybody that's interested in maybe how their company would actually rank with gender fair, um, just tell us a little bit more about the self-assessment that you guys have now. Well, there's two things. There's Mm -hmm. one is the, we do the independent assessment on all publicly traded companies Mm -hmm. and we've, you know, on the app, it's the consumer facing one. So that's independently done. The self-assessment is for companies to opt in to find out if they're gender fair or not. And if they are, they have the option to be on the app. But my sense is, you know, 90% of the companies are not going to be gender fair. And it's not because the standard is so high. It's just because, you know, most companies have so far to go. And they probably, you know, we're not going to publish that. Otherwise, we, you know, no one's going to want to do better you know right. they we have to incentivize them to do better to get to gender fair so that we can start promoting them as gender fair mm. and they can promote themselves as gender fair so the self-assessment is you know for private companies is going to be more uh, self-directed right right yeah well so 10 years from now what do you hope that gender fair has accomplished for women in the workplace so we have goals. Uh, mm-hmm. Our mission is really that gender fair is a brand where 70% of consumers recognize it, you know, mm-hmm. much like they recognize, you know, fair trade or organic, right? So right. they look at the sign because there's, there are a lot of certifications out there. There's a, there's a frog and there's a bunny, there's right. trees. <laughs> <laughs> we're 51% of the population. So there's got to yeah. be, a, you know, a, a seal for, right. for gender and diversity. So 70% of consumers recognize the brand, but more importantly, it's that, um, you know, we have 30% of women on the board and, you know, and a big chunk of the, that are women of color. Cause I think that's really important yeah. um, mm-hmm. not to miss also, you know, parity in the C-suite yeah, and uh, parity and pay. 
right? right. So those are kind of the the the, the most important. Uh, you know, it's the the wage and the um, uh, representation in the C-suite and the, on the board and, and and women of color. You know. Mm. Well, is there anything else you'd like to share before we go? No, I think the only thing is it's this is a, a great opportunity for companies to really reimagine, you know, mm. this pandemic and uh, the racial crisis and economic crisis is just, you know, it could be a fresh start and a, a new way, you know, of working in the future. Uh, I don't know if anybody really wants to go back to the way things were even pre-pandemic, you know, and I think, um, you know, having, you know, their employees work from home and being productive and the company is still, you know, managing right. to to um, to do well, I think is a, a great testament that, you know, flexibility is important, uh, not just for women, but for men as well. And um, and we can, you know, start reimagining a way that we can really, you know, transform the organization so that, um, you know, everybody has equal access and equal opportunity uh, to succeed. So I'm excited about, you know, the future. Well, I'm so glad you joined us for this conversation today with Jose about gender equality in the workplace and how companies and consumers should work together to create change. For more information yeah, about today, yeah. <laughs> for more information about today's episode, just go to fordwomen.org slash Jose. That's the number four W O R D W O M E N dot org slash J O S E. If you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to subscribe to Work, Love, Pray on your favorite listening platform and leave a review to let us know what you think of the podcast. Your feedback is appreciated greatly and will help Forward continue to host conversations you're interested in listening to. As you move forward on your journey to work, love, and pray well, don't forget to make time for real talk grounded in truth.